accessing library computer data. Out there, there are no saints. Just people. Hey everybody, welcome back to the show. We're continuing our run through Star Trek Deep Space Nine. Right now we're up to the episode called In the Cards. It is the 25th episode, the penultimate, as I want to say, of the fifth season. Aired on June 9th, 1997. Teleplay goes to Ronald D. Moore. Story credit goes to Truly Bar Clark and Scott Neal. Directed by Michael Dorn. I think this might be Worf's uh, first director credit. I'm not sure. Anyway, in this episode... Jake and Nog get into trouble while trying to cheer up Cisco by acquiring a mint condition 1951 Willie Mays rookie baseball card. In the meantime, the Dominion offers to sign a non-aggression pact with Bajor. We're joined by Clay. Clay, how are you? I didn't realize Michael Dorn directed this. Apparently, he doesn't know how to direct Worf because he's in one scene and just staring into the corner for the whole scene. <laughs> Is he is he like that because it's like a stand-in because he's directing the episode or something? No, I, I think it's just the uh, the joke, right? I mean, there's a joke, but I don't know any other reason why he was in there. I thought he just does it because it's kind of like Worf doesn't want to be there, so he's just going to stare at the corner awkwardly and then get dismissed by Cisco when it's over. Oh, sure, I guess. <laughs> in the cards. it's actually has he has he directed anything else like previously? Because I didn't think it was. I thought it was. Fa- pretty competently directed i mean um i don't remember he, saying he didn't name. do any weird shit like picard tried when he got to direct one no no it's um Riker. uh jonathan frakes has obviously been like the most competent of the directors so far but uh, like uh lavar burton has directed a couple ds9s this is the first mm-hmm. time i've seen uh michael dorn i think so uh unless i'm forgetting something i don't believe he'd ever directed a tng this would be his first uh turn at it and he gets a comedy episode to do it it's called in the card so we're going to take a break we're going to you, uh, play an audio clip, and me and Clay are going to come back, and we're going to break it down. I did some checking on you, too. It turns out that you were the station commander's son, and you were the nephew of the man who owns the bar. That's right. Since you are not, in fact, working for the soulless minions of orthodoxy that have hounded my work and plagued my existence, I have decided to open negotiations regarding the sale of a mint condition 1951 Willie Mays rookie card without the original packaging or chewing gum. Excellent. We would like to open the negotiations with a bid. The card is not for sale. What? But you just said... I am willing to trade the card in exchange for the following items. I'm sure you remember this, Clay, because you tend to remember everything you've ever Mm. said on the podcast. Steel trap. uh, Steel trap this mind of mine. in, In like season two of DS9 or something, maybe even season one, you would ask... Uh, I forget what episode we were talking about, but you had asked if there was ever a Star Trek episode where uh, the primary focus was on a sort of lighthearted plot in the front uh, of the story while something like a disaster was happening in the background. So you sort of saw a disaster happening in the background of the show while you Mm. were focused on other characters. Everyone came back and chimed in with in the cards as the answer for that uh, case. So you you seem to have gotten the answer to your uh, question that you asked five or six seasons ago. Um, mm-hmm. In the cards is that kind of a uh, episode where it does an unusual Star Trek thing. It flips the A and the B plot where the A plot is the silly comedy plot and the B plot is the serious drama plot. But what would you think of it? Uh, be careful what you wish for, kids. <laughs> uh, I did not like this episode very much. Um, I I don't know. The, the, I thought the ending was cute, the way it all wrapped up, but I was looking at my watch for about 75 to 80 percent of this episode hmm. 
I really like it. I really like this one. Yeah, I think I, I don't care for it. Yeah, I think it's um, it's 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 one of those things that I don't like. One of the things I don't miss about more episodic TV is this is the second to last episode of the season, and it just felt like a waste of time to me. Okay, uh, like the the uh, the the character stuff at the end is fine. You know, it's it's a nice little through line about everybody's depressed at the beginning, and then you know through the hijinks that ensue in the middle, everybody ends up in a better place at the end for momentarily. But it's if this was any show now and this was the last second to last episode of the season if this was the second to last episode of game of thrones people would lose their shit even more than they did at the actual second to last episode of game of thrones um it's just it's it's like the dominion stuff is fine there's some interesting stuff there i guess but even that they they takes like two scenes to do that stuff mm-hmm. and then the rest of it is just nog and jake running around getting stuff and i don't know it, i didn't care for it yeah i um i think that they i think i think that they do a good job here of they wanted to uh do a sort of smaller episode in the lead up to the finale and they also wanted to keep everyone's mind about what's at stake which i think they do through the dominion plots in the background here and i i think it's just i think it works because it's one of star trek's comedies that at least works in my mind like it, it's not a ferengi episode i think it's genuinely got some okay jokes on a star trek level in it um i think that the elias geiger guy is a really kind of like almost a parody of a star trek character that they kind of poke mm-hmm. fun at and I, I i like his performance i like the way that that's going on i like the idea that he he thinks it's possible to be bored to death like your, your cells yeah. will just become bored um I like the really joke, the really jo- appropriate for me given this episode. Actually, <laughs> I like the joke where he he climbs out of the tube and is like, "Well, that wasn't so bad. I was pretty bored for the first five hours, <laughs> but outside yes, of that, yeah." Um, I just and I like that the fact that I I think it does okay in terms of the serialized nature by backgrounding the Dominion story. And my one criticism, I think, of it would be that, like. While the episode's theme is basically saying that, like, even in moments of like true darkness, you can always find moments that make you laugh, and you can find happiness in the in the dark uh, moments. I think that what they do at the end with Wayun and the Dominion by turning them into part of the joke kind of undercuts that a little bit. Where mm-hmm. I, I feel that the I feel that the Dominion plot should be even more uh, dark than it, or like more more foreboding than it actually is, and I don't like that they kind of uh, dovetail it into the jokiness nature of the first plot. I, I would have preferred to have kept it uh, separate, and I thought that the, even though the tones are so wildly different between the two plots, I didn't feel that they interfered and made it feel like a lesser episode. I thought that they worked well with each other, and that you you got the sense of Jake and Nog running around kind of ignorant as to what was going on in the real story that's going on in the background, and mm-hmm. the two didn't really contradict each other in a nice way. We're normally... When the tones are so different like that, it feels like it's kind of just a hodgepodge of an episode, but here I feel like it works. Yeah, I I think the other thing that bothered me was the 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 beginning of it set the tone as though it was coming off a bunch of Dominion based stuff where the where things were getting more and more dire, and I don't really feel like the last few episodes have dealt with that at all. Uh, at least not to the to the point where everybody's sitting around depressed about the state of things. Like Empoch Nor isn't isn't a Dominion episode really, and Blaze of Glory 
kind of is. Would you call it a Dominion episode? I, I'd say it's as much of a background as this episode is. Like they're they're, yeah. they're the reason for the events that are happening in that story. Yeah, I guess I just the the way that they present everybody's state of mind feels like it would be the follow up to a really big you know victory by the Dominion type episode. Mm-hmm. Um, and in and in that way, maybe it would have worked a little bit better for me as as a as a way to lighten things up. But it feels like they kind of artificially darken things before they lighten things up. Okay. Um, so you, you I mean you're. And of course, we're looking at this in a modern context, but you you can certainly feel the clumsiness of them trying to insert the serialized Dominion story into things like it it sticks out here. And like you say, the the only thing that we the sense that we get why things are going bad is because they still they open the episode by saying that a ship has been destroyed by the Dominion, basically. And they're like, oh, that's the third one this week or whatever. And so they it's. Well, we might criticize a more modern show like Discovery for not showing this kind of stuff. It it is a relic of the era. Not to say that it's any better. True. It it certainly is a problem. But it, it's like the, the, when they try to tie the Dominion in, it does not feel like they've consistently been there in the background of the show, and they just kind of pop up in episodes here or there. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, maybe I'm being maybe I'm being unfair uh, to 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 ask a tighter serialization uh, for this show. I probably am. Um, yeah, I don't know. I just, if it also features, <laughs> features them accidentally coming across a 300 year old baseball card, which yeah. is <laughs> even harder for me to believe than the thing with the Mustang in 2009 Star Trek, which is my least favorite part of that movie. It's not just any baseball card. It's Willie Mays as well. It's not, yeah, it's not it's, like it's Jason it, Veritex, uh, third year card from the Red Sox or something. It's yeah, like one of the greatest it, baseball players of all times, baseball it's, card. It's not like it's a baseball card from a set from like 1993 where they were printing millions and millions and millions of even, you know, like the Bat Boy from the Mariners got a card. Yeah. Uh it's a Willie Mays rookie card. <laughs> I I don't know. I mean, I understand fine, whatever, but um that that's I I don't like it when they do that stuff in Star Trek. I, I have um exceptions to the rule, like I've never minded uh, when we went back and we watched Wrath of Khan, uh it really stood out to me how um Kirk's room is just filled with that shit to mm. an extent where it, it 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 means that it either must be everywhere or it is completely unbelievable because he's got like suits of armor and like old guns from the 1700s and shit all over his quarters. Um, maybe it's just easier to get that stuff because antiques don't have any value anymore. I don't know. Yeah. Um, but he's got nothing between now and the 23rd century. Like he, ha- he has yeah. nothing that's interesting from the past 200 years. Everything is uh, from 300 years or older. Yeah. Yeah. And you could at least argue that he got that stuff from Earth. Whereas. <laughs> Finding finding a Willie Mays rookie card in the middle of the what, what quadrant with the Delta quadrant, what, what Gamma quadrant? Where are we? Alpha. Uh, they're in the Alpha. This the station's Whatever. in the Alpha. Yeah. You know, you know what I mean. It's it, it it's it's fun, I guess, but it's it, it it triggers a Star Trek thing that they do that I I never like. Hmm. Um, and the actual stories. Did you did you not find, did you find the episode funny? Nah. Like relatively for Star Trek. Uh, I guess I don't know. It, yeah. I I I didn't find uh, Nog and Jake particularly funny. That's because um, I think this is Jake's second best episode after the Visitor, which is like far far ahead of this. But like this is to my mind, this is the best Jake Cisco has ever been. Really, um, I enjoyed. I guess I enjoyed all the 
the different stories he was coming up with, and I liked the thing about Willie Mays being a time traveler at the end. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I don't know. I just overall, I, I just couldn't get into it. So I, the the their repartee back and forth didn't really land with me. And that scene where he's trying to rewrite Kira's speech while Nog is trying to filter out harmonic dissonance <laughs> and the yeah. Klingon stuff, I almost shut it off because I was just like, "What the fuck are we doing?" <laughs> I, I like. I like. I, I, well, I like the little vignettes. Like, I like the, I like. I I think that um, Bashir is funny in this, where he's like, "No, this is where I want to be." <laughs> like when they when they're trying to sweet talk him into doing anything yeah. else he can, yeah. so that they can steal the uh, whatever liquid they want from him, and then he's he he sends them after a teddy bear and stuff. Like I that was straight disturbing that Nod, <laughs> Nod could just in. climb into what's her name Leah's Lita, room yeah. through a gigantic. Uh, <laughs> diehard sized um air f- air hatch yep, yep. or whatever yep. um and that he apparently knows how to do that he's been there before uh, he's, yeah, he's returned to the scene of the scene of the crime i i i sort of view this one as i don't know like i for for whatever reason i can dissociate this one from the universe of star trek for some reason where where mm-hmm. like i can't do that with the ferengi episodes a lot of the time and it feels like the the Ferengi episodes really feel like a waste of time to me. Here, this almost feels like it's a... Because they stepped out of the usual tone for Star Trek so much, at least in terms of the Jake and Nog plot, I kind of appreciate how goofy it is. Like, mm-hmm. I, I I recognize the the comedy of it, and I recognize the, like... It just feels different. It, it doesn't feel like it was trying to make a serious uh, or like a comedy episode out of like a, something serious that might happen to Jake on the station, which I think would be a disaster. They really went over overboard with it. And by the end of it, I think that like I actually kind of I find it kind of a poignant point, really. Like I, I I'll I'll double your points and I'll double down what I said before. I th- I wish the Dominion story had been more consequential towards the end of this, where especially leading into the season finale, where they're all they've been talking about for the past couple of episodes of the the coming war with the Dominion. And yeah. it is going to happen. I wish that something more devastating had happened to really highlight Jake's thing about dark times. Like even like that's the biggest weakness I feel because I really love the ending scene. I love the fact that Jake Cisco uh, kisses Elder Cisco the way that Elder Cisco has always been kissing him on the top of the head at the end of this. Mm-hmm. I, mm-hmm. I I think it's like a it's a good turning point story for. It's almost like there's something poignant I guess about it in terms of Jake growing up on the station. He's a character that we've watched grow up for the past five years or whatever he starts off as the goofy kid that doesn't want to be there and now he's sort of making his own way and he's he's no longer reliant on his father to do things he's moved out into his own apartment he's getting this card of his own means he's dealing with the dominion of his own means i i kind of i i just I, there's always personal stakes about whether or not you like it, but I, I think it works pretty well in terms of what they were trying to do i think i think it succeeds basically in what they were trying to do and i can't hold that against it i guess yeah i don't find it to be technically bad or anything i think it's competently directed i think the story more or less works out i think the ending was what you know i agree the ending was poignant and, and kind of nice um i just the body of it was not i didn't find it super interesting and i i guess i get that it's supposed to be like overly goofy um great times of the science of it which uh which i appreciate the science of geiger we're trying to live forever. yeah yeah i also <laughs> My first question was when when uh, when he's running away from um, Jake and Nog the first time, and he's like, "I haven't broken any laws." 
except for maybe the laws of nature. I was like, did this guy have sex with an animal? Because it sounds like he had sex with an animal. We just watched the Deadwood episode where drunk Steve uh, jerks off on the horse, and I was thinking about that that whole thing. Yeah, Um, and that guy looks familiar, but apparently he's only been in, like, Star Trek episodes. I couldn't see any—I'm sure he's been in other stuff, but when I— when I looked him up, I just re- recognized him from other Star Trek episodes, even though he looks extremely familiar to me. Well, the thing I was actually, I thought he was good. I thought, you know, his, his performance was good. But the thing I was thinking um, was, it's a shame that Wayun was in this episode, because that would have been a great Jeffrey Combs character. Oh, sure. Um, and I, I actually, well, as do, I was... Do you, I, guess I'd, I guess I'd push back on that. I like how grounded this guy played him. And I don't know if Combs would have been yeah, able to do true. that. Yeah, that, that, that's fair. He, does, he is pretty grounded. I was wondering though, uh, at the end when they when the two of them meet, when Wayun has the line about having a background in creative genetics, is that a in canon thing or is that a reanimator joke? Oh, it might be both, but it's definitely referencing the fact that he's a clone. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Because yeah, I, I was thinking, but with this type of character and having Jeffrey Combs in the episode, they'd be they. I feel like they missed an opportunity for a reanimator joke. That might have been but, it. Uh, actually, that, that might have been it. Yeah, yeah. That, that actually works on that level. I wasn't even thinking about that. I was just thinking about the clone thing. But it definitely works as a joke. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, I, th- I thought everybody was good in it. Um, I don't know. It's just one of those ones where the st- the story didn't really it didn't really grab me. Uh, like I under I guess. I guess the thing that was bothering me about it is I understand that, that you want to have kind of like a, a, a breather episode before your finale, but I, I, I thought that the breather episode was the one, the last one that I thought was a breather episode, which I can't remember what it was, like two or three episodes ago. I forget it was. What it was Empoch, Blaze, and then whatever it was. I, well, yeah, I, I would double down on that by saying I feel like we've had a stretch of about eight episodes that have been breather episodes yeah um so it's been yeah consistent i think that i i, I think that what they mean is that they were trying to save money in this one. Oh, i um, see yeah. so it's it's less of a serialized 12 episodes here let's show the calm before the storm and it's more that they were trying to not spend as much but mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. i mean I, I would i would say that this has come at the stretch at the end of a stretch of pretty a fairly bad stretch in terms of where ds9 is at this point where i think we were giving everything twos and threes for the most part yeah. And it, it continues being that lightheartedness of it, I guess. Yeah, I I can't really disagree. I mean, it feels like our difference here is kind of a, a personal take on whether or not you enjoyed the thing. And it might have been my state of mind while watching this, but I it did make me laugh. But I, I cut you off about saying whether or not it was a, a breather in spa- in the, the time that it came out. Yeah, I, get, I, I think I was expecting... I understand what you're saying about, about like, uh, uh, budget-wise and stuff like that. But, but I, I guess I was... I thought that the the I I can't remember which episode it was. It might have been the um the, I'll, I'll the time tra- the the time travel one or uh not the, you know the one where they children go to of the, time the, children of time yeah, yeah. It might have been yeah. that one. Um, but that, that was a great I, I episode, it, though. I guess is the right. It was yeah. yeah. Uh, but there was, I forget which one it was. There was one of them where I asked if this is the breather before they kind of really get into the dominion stuff leading up to the finale. I think that was children of time that you said. Yeah. That. Yeah, yeah. And I never felt like they really have done that. Um, it, it, there was a lot, uh, most of the episodes after that just were dir- peripheral dominion stuff. Uh, so would you, I guess, I guess, I, I guess we should hit this point a little bit. You don't find the B plot of the dominion story effective enough here to sort of set up where this is potentially going to go next episode. Because I feel I they're fine. I feel they're fairly hammering the point that something is about to happen. Yeah, yeah, I would agree. Yeah, okay. I mean, I, I think it's 
it's I think it's just a matter of it being, you know, like five minutes of screen time, essentially, that it's 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 interesting that they they have they're they're fairly effectively setting up that something's going to happen. But it, it, it only takes a couple minutes to do it. So it almost doesn't really stand out. Sure. Uh, because the rest of it is, is you know, watching the two kids run around the station trying to find uh, pieces to complete the Lego machine. Yeah, and it's a shame because um, they have a lot of great actors in the with the Kai Wen, with Louise Fletcher, and yeah. Combs as Wei-Yoon. I feel like you, 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 we don't see a really extended period of uh, Wei-Yoon talking to Kai Wen, which I think would, be, would have been interesting. We have that scene where she says goodbye to him and that she's not anything like him. Uh, but outside of that, you don't really have anything. And like, would you have preferred that if they flipped this and made it more of a traditional B story is the comedy, Jake and Nog running around in the A story is the focus on the dominion negotiations. I don't know. Um, do you think the focus was just misplaced on the episode or cause I, no. I like it because of how it backgrounds that stuff. I think that's kind of clever, uh, in a way. Uh, but I could see it going the other way and it being also a pretty decent episode. Yeah, I, I don't know. I think I was just, uh, you know, it being the second to last episode, I was I was ready to to really sink my teeth into some Deep Space Nine stuff. And it was just like, well, we're trying to get a baseball card. And I was like, eh, all right. <laughs> like, it, you know, it, it was. Um... Oh, shit, what the hell was I going to say? Uh yeah, I just I didn't have I, the urgency. I guess would be the way the way that I'm hearing. Yeah, it just I, it just wasn't the story that I was looking for. I yeah, guess yeah. Uh, at this point in the season, um, and uh, I, I I don't know. I don't think it necessarily would have been improved by flipping things and really leaning into how depressing everything's getting. Um, but you know, it it also has that element. <laughs> Sorry, of, I didn't mean to interrupt, but I think it's yeah. it's not even a joke. But at the start, where Cisco's trying to break the tension, he's like, um, "Miles, how's uh, uh, Kiryoshi doing? Is he yeah. is he walking yet?" And O'Brien's like, "No," <laughs> and then just drinks <laughs> just drinks from his whiskey. It's like yeah. this this dude's your boss, man. You got to give a little bit more energy in your response than that. Yeah, I I think that I don't know. Maybe that threw me off too. That first scene because it's it's. It's played as everybody's depressed, but it doesn't. I see. And, and, I see. And it. when you look, when you look back at it, it 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 is funny. Like the the way that he responds is funny, and the wharf thing is funny. But like, if you you kind of don't realize that it's supposed to be funny the way that they set it up. Yeah. So yeah. they also it, frame I don't, it. I don't like know the, if it totally lands. They frame it like the Last Supper to me. It's shot very much yeah. like the Last Supper painting, um, which I think is interesting. But it, it is kind of a that one is pro- that scene is probably the biggest sufferer of the tones colliding between the two, mm-hmm. where it's supposed to be this very dark moment, but they're obviously going for jokes uh, mixed into it, so it kind of clashes a little bit there. Where the rest of the episode keeps those storylines and tones separate, and I think it works a little bit better. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know. It's just not the the tone I was expecting. Um, yeah. What, uh, I had something else I was going to say, but I forgot what it was. What do you? I'll keep hammering. I'll keep bringing up this point. I think, but it's good to check in now. I think about it. Uh, I I really like Wayun as a character. I think he's one of my favorite yeah. Star Trek DS Nine characters. Um, what mm-hmm. do you think of Wayun at this point? You've had about three or four episodes of him. Yeah, I like him. I like him. He's he's weird, and uh, he always delivers um, negative negative information and and uh, negative tidings to people in a, in a very fun, quirky kind of way. Yeah. Yeah. 
He, sh- uh, he shows up like he's a um, the singing telegram type type person. Yeah. <laughs> like he shows up with that that sort of attitude. I really, I just think that his portrayal of this race, which is bureaucratic middle management, is like pitch perfect. Basically, it's like it's it's delivering news with a sort of bullshit smile on their face, and you see through it. But he. He isn't even aware, like, I, I think that he is not aware that he's being duplicitous and shitty to people. Like, he has been mm-hmm. genetically engineered to just embrace this sort of happy-go-lucky, well, this is going to be good news when you join the Dominion. Like, I'll see you soon. It's good to see you. I really like being here. Like, he, I, I believe that the Vorta are, like, programmed to really believe that stuff. And that's why they're so good at it. And his performance of that kind of smarmy, politi- uh, like, politician glad-handing person is a really interesting race in in Star Trek's canon. Yeah, and I, I like that he's he's uh, he's always backed by a couple Jem Hadar. Yeah, because it, it it do you do you remember? Did you watch Parks and Rec? Yes. Uh, I always loved the way that they positioned Rob Lowe and Adam Scott when they showed up. Where Rob Lowe was like the really positive guy who was all about you know befriending everybody and having fun, and then they would then he'd be like, all right, well, uh, I'm gonna hand it over to uh, to I forget what his name is the character. Uh, so we'll see you later. And then Adam Scott would be the one who'd be like, uh, we have to fire everyone here. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And that's that's the vibe that I get from this, where it's like Wei Yun is kind of like a little bit on the lighter side, and uh, you know can deliver negative negative stuff in a quirky kind of fun way but he always has jem hadar with him just just in case you forget that who he represents right he's the uh he's the harbinger for the destruction that is right behind him yeah it's it's a it, i just i really like the performance we've talked enough uh, we've talked a lot about how he he goes five percent into camp with his performances and it's mm-hmm. like just mm-hmm. the right amount of tone that you need to get out of it um mm-hmm. Again, I really I do have a problem with him being sort of a goofball at the end of it and being into the uh, immortality machine and stuff like that. I wish they hadn't mm. done that, but can't, it doesn't it doesn't hold it back for me enough, I suppose. Yeah, I I guess I was expecting some some sort of different payoff with the immortality machine as well. Uh, Fans thought that does- this was going to be the way that the Dominion are defeated. That's like they they thought that this was planting the seeds for like this technology would be the undoing of the Dominion. That is a spoiler. That's not the case. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. I guess I I I don't know what I was expecting, but it, it was just such a weird, goofy thing that seemed goofy. I guess I was expecting it to have more uh, edge to it, but it just ended up being goofy. Do you think it says anything about Star Trek? Um, that's my takeaway from it. I think it's a meta commentary on being entertained to death basically like being yeah wa- wasting away sort of watching tv i guess is the way that you like that's is that that's that's always how i perceive that storyline is that it's some sort of commentary on television i think just because he is you know it's about being bored and being hooked up to this machine to keep you going and things like mm-hmm. that um mm-hmm. i don't know i might i might be reading too much into it but i i always felt like it was saying more than what uh, geiger is actually talking about yeah i could see that um, I guess the, it, does the machine work though? I guess we never find out if it works. Yeah, never find out. The minions of orthodoxy might take it away from him uh, yeah. in time, which is a great turn of <laughs> phrase. I like that that he calls everybody that. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. I think overall, I mean, one of the other things that bothered me about it is uh, it, it's it's one of those stories where all of the the conflict is is based on. Jake just just not telling people what's going on. 
Yeah. You did, so you, am, do you take Nog's position there where he should just tell everybody what's happening? Yeah, kind of. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't, I understand why they do because you got to get generate this story somehow. But it's one of those things where like my rational brain is like, just fucking tell him. Just, just tell him. It, he'll, it'll be fine. Just tell him. Uh, and I don't know, maybe that takes the fun out of it. And it does, it obviously does, uh, um, eliminate the ending because then, you know, they, they wouldn't have to do all those tasks that make everybody more relaxed or whatever. But I don't know. I, it's just one of those things where stories, stories based on one person refusing to tell another person some information for reasons that don't rationally make sense. Yeah. Uh, tend to bother me. Um, yeah, I'm not saying it's yeah. bad. I think it's fine. It's yep. just you know not my not my cup of tea. Yeah, I guess I could. I mean, I, I would normally agree with you. I think that I think Jake has a rationalization. It's just not a very good one. So yeah, I, yeah. I, w- I, w- I I say it kind of splits the difference maybe. And I guess you could argue that because Nog is in Starfleet, Nog sees the the way that the show wants him to go. Like Nog's opinion is the the Starfleet rational way to like deal with your commanding officer and everything. And Jake is not in Starfleet and kind of handles it like a kid still where he just wants to impress mm-hmm. his dad. Um, so it, it doesn't really bother me. I I think this is one of those episodes that sometimes when shows are written um, and I, I don't even know, this is kind of a problem I have with some criticism where like if you read too far into things, you can kind of start, I, I think you just start making things up. But I think that yeah, what this episode does is sometimes when things are well-written enough, even the accidents seem like they mean something better mm-hmm. than what they are and i think that's why i like this episode a little bit like i i feel that all the pieces here add up to something greater than what they are even if i don't think that the episode was written intentionally to get to that point um mm-hmm. so well, like the like visitor is the opposite example of that where i feel like the whole episode is great but it's built up to something like it's built to this making this point i don't feel that that was the intention when they started out writing this one i thought it was just kind of a we're going to kill an hour it's going to be low budget we're going to deal with the dominion in the background but I feel like it like thematically resonates in a lot of ways, I, I, unintentionally, and I think that that's what I appreciate about it. Yeah, yeah, that's fair. Um, yeah, I think you know, I I liked it a bit more once it got to the ending, and and it all kind of kind of came together. Um, but uh, yeah, just the getting the getting there was not worth the not worth the trip. Yeah, and I guess part of me kind of wished, uh, you know, and I understand what they were doing where, you know, um, Jake keeps digging himself into holes uh, by, by not telling anybody the truth or whatever. Uh, but I kind of I kind of wish that they that Cisco had found out about it. Um, I don't know, just uh, I, I guess part of me thinks that them getting getting away from from Wayun so easily uh doesn't really teach Jake a lesson. Yes. <laughs> should have way get, should way have gone all thing Greyjoy on Jake for the rest of the episode. No, and- no, but like, you know, I don't know. It it seems like the kind of thing where where your father shows up at the principal's office and has to help you out of a jam kind of thing. Sure. Uh but I I don't know. I guess that's not absolutely necessary. Well, I think I, it's fine. Th- the way that's it is. kind of that, I guess that could have been interesting because that would have shown you the darker side of the Dominion that I think the episode would have been missing. Um, I'm not even saying that like they have to be threatening to kill him or anything. No, it's just, no. It's just the, you know having having their actions as as lighthearted as they were end up with them being captured. Well, taken aside, let's say, yeah. by uh, Wei Yun and the Dominion. 
that's kind of a that's that's some that's a big deal. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And especially it's a big deal for Wei Yun as well because he's got Cisco's son. Uh, and I'm not saying it has to turn into like any sort of hostage thing or whatever, but it just feels like I don't know. It, another way they could have gone with it would would be for Cisco to show up and then have to and then Jake to be like, "I'm sorry, I didn't mean for this all to happen. I was trying to do X." And you know that kind of thing where yeah. where Cisco comes in hot and uh, Wei Yun is kind of like thinks he has some play over Cisco. And then Jake's like, I'm sorry, that's not what this was at all. This guy's an idiot. He's this insane person. I just was trying to get this baseball card for my dad. Right. And then, you know, give them a moment where the uh, Cisco and Wei Yun can kind of, like, relax around each other. Yep. For a, you know, a, a an innocent caught in the middle. They can kind of be like, all right, obviously, this is a misunderstanding, all things considered. Let's 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 go home. That kind of thing. It doesn't again, not necessary, not absolutely, you know, doesn't break the episode that they didn't do that. Yeah. Um, but, you know, another, another thing they could have done. I think it's a, it's a moment you can also I think I'd if I were to go that way, I'd lean more on Jake learning something about growing up there. Yeah. Like, yeah, uh, exactly. J- Jake coming to realize that his um, actions have repercussions, I think, is something that would thematically tie into the war storyline as well. Um, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, but that's that's it. Uh, in the cards, we're going to take a break. We're going to play an audio clip. Me and Clay are going to come back. We're going to read some patron thoughts, and then we will give our own thoughts and call it a day. Captain Cisco, I can't tell you how happy I am to see you again. I wish I could say the same. <laughs> how delightful. You feel comfortable enough around me to make jokes. I'm so pleased to see our relationship evolving beyond the stale adversarial stage. No, it's not. But before you twist that into a compliment, let me be blunt. I don't like the Dominion, I don't like what it stands for, and I don't like you. So let's dispense with the hollow pleasantries and stick to business. I can't tell you how it pains me to hear you say that, Captain. You see, I really like Deep Space Nine, and I like you. And after this meeting with Kai Wynn, I think you and I will be seeing a lot more of each other. All right, everybody. So if you want to support the show, you can go to patreon.com slash thepenskyfile. A couple dollars a month to get extra stuff. We'd also like to uh, let you know that if you become a $5 and up patron by June 5th, you'll get access to four Orville episodes that we're going to be covering. If you're not a patron by that date, you won't be able to get them. We're not going to post them anywhere. We're not going to make them available for patrons later. You have to be available by June 5th at the $5 and up level, and then you'll get the Orville episode. So if you like Orville, I'd recommend signing up for that. And then... You can also get a shout-out if you're a Captain Tier supporter. Andrew Cherlog, Ben Douglas, Bradley Killens, Captain Quark, Cardinal Doomsday, Christian Pouch, David Kay, Dwayne Hackett, Eric Johnson, Yarpy, Joint Mango, Kyle Barrett, Matt Flores, Matt Cutler, Matt Ross, Michael Pond, Mike Burnett, Nathan Elliott, Neil Brennan, Nick Sergi, Russ Graham, Samuel Custer, Grim Santo, Sean Spinobi, Stephen Cobb, Tark Latif, and Will Yates. Thank you guys for supporting the show. Much appreciated. All right, Clay, time for patron thoughts here about In the Cards. In the cards, Poindexter G says, This episode is bizarre, absurd, and completely and utterly ridiculous, and I love it. It's one of the best comedy episodes in all of Trek. I try to work the phrase soulless minions of orthodoxy into casual conversation as often as possible. Uh, Holly, is this With who? (laughs) (laughs) With your mother. Uh, In the cards, Holly McLaughlin says, The weird guy trying to outwit death reminds me of the tech bros pushing transhumanism. Very funny and well done. It's also a lovely idea to imagine that a simple pleasure like collecting baseball cards will survive into the 24th century. 
Benjamin dressing down his son in Nog is a great scene. I mean, to be fair, it didn't even survive the 20th century. The, his, his ba- wh- sorry, what do you mean? Am I just being dumb? Ba- the collecting, collecting baseball oh. cards doesn't, isn't really a thing <laughs> so much anymore. I mean, I, it is for some people, but not as much as it was at the time this episode came no, out. No, it's, uh, it's on a downward trajectory just like Beanie Babies, and my Beanie Baby collection is never going to recover what it once was. Now, if this episode had been about Jake trying to get a uh, an Alf Pog for his for his dad, <laughs> then maybe I'd be on board. <laughs> he's got he's got a he's got a huge slammer. It's, it's just meant to weigh you and bring up slammers or something. I think would be appropriate. Did you ever collect Pogs? Uh, very very briefly. That was something that I I tried to get into because my friends were into it, but I was even at the time I was like, I don't know what the fuck any of this stuff is or why. <laughs> why anybody would want it pogs are only big for about a week so you could have been into it for its entire existence and i think not been there i I collected them as well i have no idea why the game was bad like everything about them was bad Yeah, Um, i don't even i i don't even know how the game worked oh really okay yeah i never everyone i knew i was like okay so what do you what do you do with these things and they're like i don't know but they're cool right i'm like i uh yeah check out this sweet slammer i have it's got a skull on it yep cool pogs excellent <laughs> captain quirk says this episode should be t- retitled jake cisco worst friend ever watches jake manipulates his best friend nog into spending his life savings nearly feeling up for his future stepmother almost ruining his nascent starfleet career and finally facing possible death at the hands of the dominion after going through all this i wish the episode had ended with jake giving his dad the card the elder cisco giving a cursory thanks barely looking at it and then just shoving it in a drawer somewhere the perfect end to a low stakes episode that was the other thing that that really turned me off is when Jake was like, well, "Don't you want to spend your life savings to help me help my dad?" Yeah, and I was like, "Fuck you, man! Get the fuck go go make work out a deal with Quark. Don't make your friend give you like seventy percent of his his savings so you can buy a friggin' baseball card." I liked the uh, the Jake joke about like he's like we're we're in a post scarcity. Uh, environment and, for, and Nog is like, what does that mean? He goes, we don't need money. <laughs> it's like it's just a, it's commenting on how like how little sense the uh, the Star Trek economy uh, makes, and these yeah. characters have to voice it. Also, is it are are bars? Is that like you know uh, ten cents, or I should say a hundred cents equals a dollar kind of thing? Where like you. It, even though you have a hundred dollars made up of ones, you still say you have a hundred dollars. You mean the bars because, and strips of platinum? Yeah, as opposed to like he said he had like ten. How many? I don't remember. He had five. Nog has, Nog has five, five bars, I think. Yeah, five bars of platinum. Does that mean he? I assume that means that it's they are separate pieces. That uh, that the combined amount is that. I think so. Otherwise, like, how would you sell, how would you use it to pay for things that are less than a Right, how, how would you, you make change, I mean? basically, yeah. 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 Also, if, again, on the same point, if I was Nog, and I was at that uh, auction, and Jake just yelled out four stri- four bars of latinum, I would punch him in the dick right there. <laughs> I'd be like, no, get, we're not friends anymore. Well, it, it eventually sold for something like 11, I think, right? So if Nog has been saving his entire life and he's only got five, that baseball card went for a tremendous amount of money. So hold on to your baseball yeah. well, cards, I guess. Do we ever even find out what he the guy needs the rest of the stuff in that trunk to do? I think he just wants one item in it, right? Because he needs it for the machine. 
Right. But, yeah, I, I, but do we find out? Do we know which one it is? No, I don't think so. No. No. Um, it's 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 obviously not the baseball card, but yeah, he he buys it for one piece, but then uh, wins everything else. Um, Norman Buckwald in the cards is one of my favorite comedy episodes. It's sort of a gift of the Magi like homage. It were uh, it's a sort of gift of the Magi like homage. It worked perfectly, and that's always a risk. Is let's not forget season three season three's homages to Brigadoon and Midsummer Night's Dream. The banter between Jake and Nog was priceless, and of course, Elias Geiger, his William Reich-like invention, and his paranoia at the soulless minions of orthodoxy. And for Nog's aggravation of Jake's let's keep a secret and do one a favor to achieve another goal, he seemed to, of course, forgot all about it when putting it into practice the great material continuum with O'Brien about a year and a half later. I guess it's different when it's putting when he's putting it in practice instead of instead of Jake, much to O'Brien's misery. Next one. Sorry, I fell apart reading that one. Matthew Russ says, this is not this one. Christian Pouch says, up front, I love this episode. It's ridiculous. It involves the Dominion War only tangentially. Nothing of real consequence happens. Why are they doing this right before the finale? Why is everyone depressed out of the blue? Why is Wayun acting like a joke? And really, I don't care. The characters are all fun. I love the ridiculous situations, and I think the jokes land. If you're going into a long stretch of super duper serious shit, it's okay to take a breath beforehand. This episode also does not occur in a vacuum by pretending that nothing else is happening, like the Dominion War, as silly as that tie-in may be. I won't let you soulless minions of orthodoxy ruin my enjoyment. That's you, Clay. You're a soulless minion of orthodoxy, trying to make sense hey, of this episode. You know, what are you going to do? And then there's the part where they 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 have, uh, uh, what's her name? The Bajoran lady arrested or something? Uh, Kai Wen. Kai Wen, yeah. Don't, don't they, do they have her arrested? They do something because they think that she's she's the minion of orthodoxy oh he yeah because they see her talking to the jake sees her talking to the vedic right that was trying to buy the card yeah yeah, yeah. but that's that, another reason why they, why cisco should have been involved and been like what the fuck are you doing <laughs> although i guess i guess odo i guess that's the role odo played i guess yeah so odo threatens them with a hard hard jail time um and matthew ross says i had to take a quick detour no the baseball card was not from the most toys but it's the second card of the series and no gum Anyway, a silly interlude before all hell breaks loose with minor overtones of the upcoming drama. The Wizard of Oz line was cute, and who knew Wayun was a longevity nut? Anyway, the acting was fine. Cisco was the Ciscoest yelling at Cisco was his Ciscoest yelling at Jake. Jake had some balls to step up to Kai Win and Wayun. That's nice. Nog is the dutiful straight man. Everyone else is there. Regardless, you'd think that with such an enlightened age of improvement, people would be all over each other to help each other, but not so much. Clearly, the currency of the Federation is markers of favors. Fun and meaningless overall. Oh yeah, is it is maybe there is a scene? Is it is the scene where he yells at Jake? Is that after the 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 Kai Win thing? E, that's when the, uh, Jake and Nog go see her at her apartment, and then you cut to the scene of of Cisco yelling yeah, at them. Okay, yep. yeah, never mind. Eric Johnson says in the cards exactly my kind of side story episode I like. Weird on paper, but surprisingly heartfelt in execution. A comedy of errors taking place under the shadow of the Dominion gives it the weight most Trek comedies don't have. Wayun is great. Win is even better, and this might be Jake's best episode outside of The Visitor. A pleasant surprise. I forgot in that scene. <laughs> Either Nog or Jake is like, we were drunk. Yes. <laughs> we were drunk, and that's what it was. We were drunk. That was the most surprising uh, line of the episode, I think, that they would acknowledge that, that Jake is drinking um, on the yeah. station. And not just yeah. synthahol. <laughs> Kyle Barrett's last comment in the cards, Jake kissing the top of his father's head, returning the action we've seen Cisco bestow upon his son many times previous, and then of course the hug at the end made me a little choked up. 
It's nice that a largely comedic episode can still have an emotional and character-based underpinning. All in all, a really great and fun episode, and I particularly like Dr. Geiger, who feels like a Star Trek character by way of Douglas Adams. A DS9 episode that makes you feel as warm and fuzzy inside as Bashir's adorable little teddy bear. Thank you, patrons. Thank you for leaving your thoughts. Clay, it seems like the army is against you of opinion here. <laughs> but you might not have liked the episode, but what are you going to give it on a scale of 1 to 5? I will kill all of you and build a wall of corpses like Jon Snow. <laughs> uh, based entirely on personal preference, I'm going to give it a 2. Sure. But I understand, I do understand why people enjoyed it, and it is not inherently a bad episode. Just doesn't. Uh, it is just, it's just not for me. Yep, that's fine. I think um, I have to reboot my rating here. I'm going to, to accommodate what I think about this one, I'm going to bump my children of time from a four to a five, I think, and I'm going to give this mm-hmm. one a four, and I think that's mm-hmm. appropriate. Uh, I'm going to give this one a four. I, I really like it. I think it's pretty cute in a sort of um, unimportant way. I think that it's, does everything it wants to accomplish it gets it all done it doesn't uh, draw anything out it doesn't the comedy is not ferengi level comedy i think it works better even the lions geigers and bears joke uh, wasn't enough to torpedo it i don't think um yeah i think i'm gonna give it a four i think it's a pretty enjoyable episode uh, before we get to the finale yeah i think <laughs> i don't know maybe i was just biased going into it once i saw everybody who was involved because it featured it was a Jake and Nog centric story that also featured Bajoran prophet stuff. Yep, it's and I was yeah. like, uh, uh. <laughs> everything I dislike in one place. Yeah, yeah. We'll get more into the. We didn't talk about the Bajoran prophet stuff, but we'll get into that shortly. Um, but yeah, it's it's definitely it's got your least favorite aspects, I think, piling up against each other. Although you're not anti Jake at this point, are you? Or would you say that you're? Do you have the no. same reaction to Jake and Nog as you do to the Bajoran prophets? No, I think I like the Prophet stuff least. Um, Jake is... Nog I don't love in general. He's okay, I guess. Jake is... I don't know. It's. I think it's when they're when they're used sparingly is when I when I enjoy them. And this episode is... They were not used sparingly. <laughs> I can see that. Um, that's it. Guys, thank you very much for listening to the show. We'll be back with the season finale, which is called Arms. So we are done with season five after this, and that one will be out in a couple days. Thank you very much for listening. If you want to support the show, there's all the social media links down below, Facebook, Twitter, Discord. You can go to patreon.com slash the Penske file if you want to support the show. Outside of that, I think that's pretty much it. Clay, do you have anything you want to say before this one is all done? Uh, No, I don't think so. No, I think we're, we're on our way out here. Um, I guess that's it. I don't think I have any announcements to make. Uh, thank you very much for listening. Guys, thank you for supporting the show. And we will be back with Call to Arms in a couple days. See you then.